I put this out there uh, all the time, uh, at least every Sunday, and I go, you know, this is the best day of the week, is it not? Think about that. This is the greatest time we get to be in the house of God with one another. Look, we might not be connected blood family other than through Jesus, but we are church family. Amen? Amen. That's right. And family stays strong. So I'm so excited. I I am um, in part three. Have you guys enjoyed the Fresh Air series that we've been talking about the last two weeks? Right? Yeah, it's been good. First week, you know, we looked right in and, and, and we looked at prayer. We understood what prayer was and um, the, we looked at the model that Jesus gave us through the prayer in Matthew, the Lord's Prayer, you know, uh, a prayer that is so oftentimes repeated, um, a prayer that we actually really use as routine. You know, if you've realized one thing about me is sometimes I, I, I dwell a lot about we go through different routines in life. We go through different stages. We go through different things. But oftentimes we get into in what I would call, you know, in a rut, okay? Um, we get stuck in places or, or we, 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 we get in, like what we're in right now this summertime. Summer's almost over. School's almost in. All the parents are going to say amen to that, all right? Yes. I even got, I, even my, my four-year-old is, is headed to Pocomoke. Uh, this year for, or, uh, I think that's where, yeah, that's where he's going, for half a day for five days a week. I'm thrilled about that, right? Yes, I know his mom mom is anyway, so, you know. But, but you know, school's back in, so, you know, we're, we're coming out of the summer season. And I've enjoyed my summer. I've had a great time. But, here, you know, what I've learned about summertime is it's so easy to get out of routine. It really is. It's so easy to get out of routine. It's so easy to get out of what, you know, we're used to doing or what we should be doing. And oftentimes that rolls right over into our spiritual lives. And what really takes a hit when we get out of the routines spiritually becomes those spiritual disciplines. Prayer, reading God's word, watch this, attending church, right? We get caught up in this so many activities. And look, I love activities. I love family. I've I've enjoyed the water park this year. I've enjoyed the beach. I've enjoyed being out on the boat. I've enjoyed all that great stuff. I even got an O's game. Yes, I prayed for them the whole time. All right. And it's been a great summer, you know. But I, I tend to look at things and I go, okay, God, where do we need to grow? Where do we, as a church, need to strengthen? And oftentimes we go through summer slumps because we have so many things going on. And the first week we looked at prayer. And, you know, one of the, the story that, that really kicked it off for us was when Jesus was praying and the disciples were there watching him. And when he was done, he looks at, when, when he was done, the disciples look at him and they go, Jesus, you know, can you teach us how to pray? And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer. And we sit there and we think, well, they're the disciples. They're chosen by God. Surely they knew how to pray. The answer to that is yes, they did. They knew the routine of prayer. They knew the tradition of prayer. Watch this. They had the memorized prayers. But the problem with the memorized prayers was there was no, there was no life in it. There was nothing spark. There was no spark. There was nothing that was like wow factor. There was no ah moment during those prayers. And so when they were observing Jesus praying, they were going, something's different here. This is interesting. When Jesus prays, something happens. And so they, would, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we want to pray. 
And so and he goes on to say in Matthew and Mark, Luke, John, you can look up through the Gospels, here's how you do it. And we all know that prayer. You look at every sporting event there is, chances are, before the team goes out on the field, if not the whole team, at least a segment of the team, what are they doing? They're praying that Lord's Prayer. But the problem is, is was the Lord's Prayer intended for us to pray? The answer to that is no. It was given to us as a blueprint of how to pray. Within the Lord's Prayer, we understood in that first week that there's seven different topics all about prayer. And I'm not going to go through them because we've already done that. You can look in your notes or you can check out our website and go on the podcast and, and listen to that. It's a very good message, I think so, because one, I spoke it, so I think it's a great message. All right? So you need to go back and, li- and, and listen to it. And then last week, we looked at what? Our worship, our praise. Okay, we looked at, uh, at, at the different things of it, and, and we understand that in the Bible, in the, in the original languages, it wasn't really offered as, the, there was no real word for praise, but there were seven different words that were considered praise. And we looked at those words, and we defined them, and how they are relatable to us, and how we live, and chances are most of us could probably look back on that and go, you know what, Maybe I'm not doing this one. Maybe I'm not doing that one. Maybe I'm not doing... And so what happens is, is somewhere along the way in our life, if we're not giving praise and adoration to the one who has breathed life into you, the one who is watching over you every single day, the one who has loved you, the one who is giving everything up for you, do you not think he does not deserve our praise and honor and worship and glory to his name? Absolutely. This week, we're going to go a little bit different. We're going to look at different things and... You know, one of the great things that I'm excited for with, uh, about our church and as we're coming out of this summer season is, and you saw in your bulletin, you heard in the announcements, you heard in the, in the video announcements as well, of all the different activities that we've got going on. I'm all about us connecting, growing, coming together. And one of those one real important things that we're about to get into for our church is a life group season where we can connect, come together, fellowship with one another, and then also more importantly, get into the Word of God. But with that comes spiritual growth, and it helps us to get out of these mundane moments. Yeah, Have you ever been in, in, involved in something and never thought you would really like it, but once you got involved in it with other people, your interest in it grew? Well, the same thing can happen when it comes to the Word of God. When we get involved with a group of people who are just as hungry and thirsty after righteousness and after more of God in their lives, you know what happens? Our desires begin to grow towards that. Look, I've got desires in my life that could actually go away. Does anyone else? Think about it. Don't raise your hand. I'll be the only honest one, okay? And I need to replace that with more of God. I want more of God in my everyday life. I don't want more of the society and the world. Because remember, Jesus calls us to be something. What is that? To be different. To be holy. When society and the world looks at us, what do they see? Do they see a church that is mimicking the world? Or do they see that a church that is different and that is pursuing enthusiastically, vibrantly for Jesus? So here we are. In our fresh series, fresh air series that we're looking at, and looking at some, what I would consider those spiritual disciplines, and looking at the basic ideas of the things that we can do every day within our lives to grow. There, because look, there are times within our Christian walk where we are at a peak. Amen, yeah. 
But then there are times also within our Christian walk, as I mentioned in the first week, and I also mentioned several series ago, where we enter a place called the doldrums, where there's no fresh air, where there's no enthusiasm. Nothing's elaborate about serving God. Typically, this has a tendency to happen, as I mentioned before, as we come into the summer season or we're coming out of our summer season. My goal for the last two weeks and now is to bring and breathe fresh air back within your life. Bring fresh air back into your sails to where you are not staying stagnant, but you are moving and progressing in your spiritual walk with Jesus. I don't want uh, church for us to be something that is dreaded, something that is boring, something that is lackluster. I don't want it to be the mundane, but I want it to be something that breathes life into you, that when you walk out of here, you know this, with no doubt within your mind that you have felt the Spirit of God move in your life to bring challenge, which results in change, which results in a closer and more intimate walk with Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at our theme verse this morning, 2 Timothy 1.16. It says, May the Lord bless Onesiphorus. Now, if you never knew this guy before in Scripture, you know him now. We've gone over him for three weeks. This is the third week that we've mentioned him. Now, we all understand, and look, you're going to, Pastor, you've already said this two weeks. You're going to say it a third one. I know what you're going to say. Well, some people haven't heard it, so they're going to get it, all right? And you're just going to have to reapply it to your life because you forgot it, all right? But what happens is, is we need people to speak life into us. I have to have friendships that encourage me. Plain and simple. I need people that when I'm struggling spiritually to be there to help me along the way. Listen, I have a select few of friends, pastoral friends, that I have accountability with and that encourage me and they help me. And vice versa, me with them. The same goes for us. It's extremely important that you have people within your sphere of influence that even if they're not directly communicating to you about something that you're struggling with, just the mere presence of them being around you brings an encouragement in your life. Has anyone ever experienced that before? Have you ever been in a relationship or, or, or had a relationship, a friendship with someone or an acquaintance that even though they had no idea what you were going through, just being around them brought life back into you. You know, Jesus is contagious, right? All right, we'll leave that one right there. Okay, it says, may the Lord bless Onesiphorus and all his family. Now understand, Paul is talking here. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul, who, who I've been preaching the life out of for quite some time, all right, with you. This guy who is planting churches all over the place He's actually struggling here for a moment, and he gives credit to a close friend, or really, we don't know how close he was. We just know he, apparently he was a friend with a very strange name. As I said before, why in the world would you name someone Onisiphorus? It sounds like a dinosaur. You know what I mean? I mean, really. But he says, may the Lord bless Onisiphorus and all his family because he visited me and he encouraged me often. Do you know how important it is for you to speak life into people? Encouragement into them? I, I've gone through seasons in my life where I, I don't know where I would be right now if people did not take time out to place their own agenda, 
their own thoughts aside, their own schedule aside, and see someone who might have been hurting in that moment and go, you know what, let me give you some time and talk with you and speak life into you. It goes on to say, but may the Lord bless Anissa for us and all his family because he visited me and encouraged me often. I'm going to stop there again for a split second. Do you notice there's something very key here? He says, not only bless him, but it also says to bless his family. Do you know when you are blessed, those who are closest around you are what? Blessed. When I'm blessed, my family's blessed. So when I do the right things, when I do the things that I have been called to do, not only is God shining down blessing upon me, but that blessing radiates from me and it enters into my family and those who are within my sphere of influence. So he visited me and he encouraged me often. His visits revived me like what? A breath of fresh air. And actually in the Greek, what it was really defined as saying, he recovered breath. What happened? Life came back into him because somebody took time out, saw importance in this person, saw a need that was there, and decided to take time and to speak into his life. So today, look, we're going to be heavy on the teaching. You have your outline there within your bulletin. We're going to go through it. Uh, Last week was more of the emotional side of a message. This week is more of the wisdom, the knowledge. Okay, that's my favorite part, by the way, just so you know. All right, but the Bible sometimes, especially when translated in the English language, let's face it, it can be hard to understand. Have you ever sat there and every time you read the Bible, walked away and go, God, I got it? Or have you ever walked away going, God, what in the world just happened here? I don't know what you were talking about. There, I felt no life in this moment. God, I'm walking away going, I should have watched Sports Center. Oh, sorry, that's me. That's me. The word breath is not actually in the um, original languages in the Bible. If you remember, I did a series on the Holy Spirit. And you will remember that the Holy Spirit really means or is meaning as the breath of God. And in fact, it's found over 800 times within Scripture. So obviously God is trying to drive home a point to us. The breath of God is a wind, or it's defined that it's got a, a, a wind or a breath that has power in it. Um, we, we looked at in, in two different places and, and understanding this, that the Old Testament was written in the language of, of, of excuse me, but the Hebrew, and, and then we have the New Testament, which was written in the Greek. And we understand that the uh, the, the Old Testament word for spirit was ruach. Now, we're just quickly going over and briefly going over what you've already learned before. But ruach meaning it's a wind, um, it's, it's a violent exhalation, it's a blast of breath. And, and that's where one of the words that we get for spirit within the scriptures. And, but literally, it's meaning the breath of God. So I want to read this passage to you in Genesis 1 and 2, and it says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over, the, was over the surface of the deep. But it says here, and the spirit. Now we understand the spirit meaning is what? Breath. Uh, it's, it's meaning the breath of God. So we can understand that the breath of God was hovering over the waters. Now you need to understand this. Anytime that God is involved in anything... 
What changes? Everything changes. That's very key there in this, for, in this second scripture of the entire Bible. We understand that the breath of God was hovering over. And when God is involved in anything, and as he should be in everything, things change. Now, the second word that we understand for the spirit, which is in the Greek, is pneuma. It's a current of air, uh, a blast of breath. It's a strong breeze. Now, if you see the term Holy Spirit in the Bible, it's literally speaking to us that is a blast of breath. It's a strong breeze that when it breathes upon something, whatever it breathes upon, power and change comes to it. Now, John chapter 6, verse 63 says that the spirit, or we're going to say what, a current of air, the breath of God, it does what? It gives life. The flesh counts for nothing, but the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Now, if you attempt to live this Christian life without this, without the breath of God being involved in it, it's simply not going to work. That's where we are as the modern church, where we get here. We, we read the words. We attend the services. We pray the prayers, and we do it all oftenly without the breath of God involved. The Bible says that when we do this, in that scripture in John, that it absolutely accounts for nothing. Those words are that we are to have within our lives. The Bible itself is something that is breathed in us. The Bible is a blast of wind in your sails. The Bible brings life. The Bible, watch this, has power in it. Jesus said these words that I spoke to you are what? Not normal words. These are words that are from a breath or a blast of wind. The Bible itself has power in it. The last sentence in John, we read that the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. That's where we're going to today. The words that I've spoken, what is that? That is the Bible. The Bible is what? Spirit and it is truth. It is what? Spirit and it is life. For many of us, we read it, but we never truly understand it. And then we take it a step further and simply not try to understand it. My job, what I want to do for you today is to give you an understanding, to give you some tools to help you when it comes to reading your Bible. Watch this. I get it. I know how frustrating it can get. I know how just upsetting it can be at times when you go to read the Bible and you walk away and you go, I, I feel as if I did nothing. I know what it's like to, to get up. And, and many of you know, I, I'm, I don't hide what my routine is. My time with God is first thing in the morning. That's the first thing I do. I get with him. I read his word. I have my prayer time. And then I get into whatever I'm preparing for you guys and messages for the week. And then I get into whatever I got to do for the day. But there's been many times where I've gotten up and I'm like, God, can I slide today? Have you been there? God, can I just slide through this today? I mean, is it really necessary? I mean, I, God, I work for you. I'm in the Word all the time. You know what happens for me, and I'm going to be very honest and very truthful for you. I go, Lord, can I just use the teachings that I give to them as my devotional today? 
Mm. Some of you would be like, well, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because I need my time with God. You need your time with God. So I can understand how we can get to the spot where we go, you know what? I'm just going to go through the motion. Watch this. I want to take a look here in Hebrews chapter 4, 12. It says this. For the word of God is living and it is active. What does that mean? The book is alive. The book that you have in your lap or in a digital form right there with you right now, it's alive. It says it's what? Sharper than any double-edged sword. That it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. It joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Summing it up, the book is alive. It will cut through anything that you faced. There's nothing that it doesn't have a verse for. Every situation that you face, there's a verse for how God can bring wind back into your cell and breathe life, watch this, back into your spiritual life. How God can breathe life back into your marriage. How God can breathe life back into your job. How God can breathe life back into your family. But we get caught up where the word of God just becomes a routine or the mundane. No, the word of God is alive. If you want the spirit of God to roam through your life, to go through your family, you must allow the word of God to be a part of it. You cannot live a successful Christian life and ignore the word of God. But so many of the church is living a spiritual commitment and relationship to God Minus the word of God. And then we wonder why we are so weak when trouble comes. We wonder why we're so frustrated and we want to give up so easily. It's because we're not feeding the spirit. We're not allowing God to move and to communicate. The question that I have for you today would be, how do we get to the point where just reading the Bible... When it's boring, when you're just not getting it, when it's of the mundane and the routine, how do we get it to come alive? Number one, this is real simple stuff. Number one, faith activates the word. Simple as that. Faith is what we believe and then we get it. Faith is when we can take a leap and say, I'm going after it. Faith is believing it that it is what? Truth and that it is real. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 says, For we also have read the gospel preached, or excuse me, for we have also had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. In other words, watch this. A lot of you experience that. You just don't get it. He goes, Because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. They did not believe it was real, not believing that it is true. So secondly, how do, we, how do we come about it? We have to have a revelation. Number two, revelation activates this faith within us. You ever had the Bible when you're, when you're reading it and, and you had that aha moment? That moment where you, you can look at it and go, oh, okay, I see, I get it. Have you ever sat here in a service during a worship time? And a, sp- a song spoke to you and you go, oh yeah, I see now. It's becoming more clear. That is called revelation. 
That is when God begins to reveal things to us. I don't know how many times I've read a scripture and maybe I didn't understand it today, but then tomorrow I went through a situation where yesterday's scripture came back to my mind and I went, oh, I get it now. See, the word of God is so powerful. We take it so grant for granted within our lives. The Greek language for the New Testament, for, for, for uh, excuse me, the Greek language, what the New Testament is in, uh, has a word to describe. In fact, it has two words to describe the word, which is the Bible. And the first one is this logos, meaning words on a page, just a written word. Nothing there, just paper. Many of us look at the Bible in a logos understanding that it is just there. There's nothing powerful about it. It's just words on a page. It's part of a routine and it's become mundane. But then the Bible gives another word for the word and it's called rhema. This is the, oh, I get it word. This is the word where, where you begin to understand that what you have read begins to shed light into your life. It's a word that when, when you, you, you remember your prayer time changes and, and, and it becomes more intimate with God. It's, it's a word that when you're in your worship time, rhema, the oh, I get it now, the revelation is beginning to happen within my spirit. I'm beginning, I'm seeing something different other than words on the page. I'm seeing life come off of these words. I'm seeing how God is speaking. You know what the devil wants and he's trying to, to do? He's trying to appeal to you not to be interested in the Bible. Simple as that. He wants you to be bored of it. Because if he can get your attention off of it, he knows that you will be powerless. He knows that you will not be fed. And eventually, when you be, allow your spiritual man and spiritual woman to become malnourished scripturally, it affects every aspect of your life. If he can do anything, he's going to distract you from it. There's a, a story in, the, in, in the, the scriptures as a great example. And we all understand this story. The angel came to this little teenage girl named Mary saying, you're going to be pregnant. And even though you've never been with a man, and by the way, the baby that you're going to have is going to be the son of God. And many scholars believe that Mary was probably somewhere between the ages of 13 and 16, but her response would be just like any other response, probably. How is this possible? How could this even be? This message uh, to her to this point was a logos message. In other words, it was just words. That's impossible. That, that can't happen. I wonder how many times that we have had God speak into us. Speak into our lives where we have just allowed it to be something that was powerless. Logos word. Something that is just written. Something that you're reading out of the routine. I wonder how many times God has spoken into our lives, into our hearts, into our souls, into our spirits. To go above and beyond. To do something different to improve and, and, and to help grow his kingdom. But we've thought to ourselves, oh, it's just another crazy thought again. That's just another person trying to speak into my life again. 
and never took it account for what it truly was, and that is the word of God. Now watch this. She could say, you know, I don't get it. It seems impossible. Um, you know, again, I've never been with a man. And the angel says, let me tell you how this is going to happen. The Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? The wind, the breath of life, the breath of God is going to enter into you and overshadow you with this child is going to come about and be conceived immaculately. And the angel said this next, and this is what changed everything. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says, For nothing is impossible with God. Let me, let me stop right there before I go a little bit further here. And I want you to understand something. I don't know maybe the direction that God has been calling you in your life. That maybe you have written off. And maybe I can never be a part of a life group or play a, an instrument or, or be a part of a choir. Didn't they do a great job? I'm, I love it. I can never teach a class and, and be with kids. I can never be a greeter. I can never do those things. I just want to be a consumer and not a member. I don't want to be a part. I want to attend. God says this, I don't care what your fear is. I don't care where you think your lack is in your ability. Nothing is impossible for God. And if God speaks it into you and wants it to go in and through you, do you not think he's going to see it through? Do you not think he will not equip you? Is he not going to surround you with people to help you and encourage you? The biggest problem that we have, and you've heard this many times, is us ourselves. Our fear, our doubt. And a lot of that comes from the simple fact that we're not allowing God's word to be a rama in our life. We're allowing it to be a logos. We're not allowing the power to come through it. We're just going through the, remote, the, the, the mundane and the routine. And we're going through the traditional prayer. We're not looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, teach me how to pray. We continue to go with what was, expecting something different, but never achieving it. And then we wonder as to why we're seeing no growth in our spiritual life. So that was the last line that the angel had said to Mary. And it was a, obviously it's a great motivational sentence. But the word nothing in the Greek is two words. It is this. It's no rhema. It's a word that God speaks, that there's a revelation, but we don't allow it to have life within us. Mary's response was this in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. She says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then it says, then the angel left. We had two different emotions out of her in this moment. The first one, when it came to her, that's impossible. That can't be. And then the second one, she left and, go, and, and, and pretty much said this, I got it. I get it. There's something different. When God gets involved and we allow the Holy Spirit, that is what? The breath, the blast, the wind in our sails. When we allow that to be a part of us, Things change. Thirdly, 
we go to this. Meditation activates revelation. You don't just come to church and hear a message. Take some notes that I gave you there, fill them out, and then say to yourself, well, I'll just wait till next Sunday. And typically those notes that I worked so hard on enter your trash can. I learned something this week, and it's, it's really stupid, but I think it really drives home a good point. What does meditation really mean? What, what is that? What is God trying to tell us about this? A cow. I'm going to bring out a cow for you, all right? A cow chews its cud. You know what that is? It's nasty. Right? It chews on it. And it chews. Have you ever seen like, like a, uh, you know, just picture that mouth going, you know, chewing on it. And you know what it does after it chews on it so long? It swallows it. And then you know what it does? This is the gross part. It vomits it back up. And it chews on it some more. And it routinely does this over and over and over and over again. You know what we need to do? We need to take that word. We need to take these messages. We need to chew on them a little bit. We need to swallow them. And then we need to throw it back up. And you need to chew on it some more. So you've not heard anything I've had to say all message long. All of a sudden I got your attention. You think that's gross. Spiritually, you need that within your life. You want to meditate on God? That's how you do it. You take his word. You begin to apply it. You begin to live it. And then you go back to it again. You apply it. You live it. You go back to it again. You apply it. You live it. What are you doing spiritually? You're swallowing it. It's bringing nutrition into you. You're growing as a believer in Christ. Now, Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says this. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, what? Chew on it. Regurgitate it. Swallow it. Chew on it, right? It says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, this is what we want before we do anything else. Then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. You want to live a successful Christian walk? I don't have a physical Bible. Can I just can, give me your Bible, man? I don't want to mess it up or get anything. But my goodness. There is some knowledge and wealth in this thing. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading. I'm reading uh, two books right now. I don't encourage that for anybody. Throw the Bible in, it'll be three books, okay? I'm in the process of reading three books right now. And it's driving me absolutely crazy because two of them I'm mixing together all the time. But there's one that is set apart from every other book, from every website that I ever crawl upon, from every post that any of you could ever say, and that is the Word of God. There's nothing like this book. I, I don't know how to tell you. I, I get it, I, especially in the younger generation. I understand how, you know, it seems like as you get seasoned, you know how I use the word seasoned, I don't use old. 
Don't use the word. I use season. Some of you are really seasoned. You know what I mean? Some of you just got a dash of seasoning going on, you know? But I get it. In our younger generations, it's hard for them to get into this. Reason being is because as you get older, you get smarter. And you realize you're less dependent upon yourself, aren't you? And you become more dependent upon God. Well, if we could just understand and relate the word of God in some fashion, form, where the younger generation can understand. I think we do a pretty decent job, though, I must say, as a church. Our church, anyway, I'll say that. Of trying to make this word to be applied to your life. My messages are life application. Very rarely do I give you an emotional, robust message that you're ready to kick the door of hell out. Typically, I'm growing you in knowledge and wisdom. So when the flames, the fiery flames that the enemy brings at you, you're able to reflect them and understand that what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Understanding that every weapon that is formed against me will not what? Prosper. And every tongue that rises against me will what? Be condemned. Where is this stuff found? It's found right here. When you are being attacked by Satan and the enemy himself, Listen, you want to know how he's going to destroy you? He's going to get into your home. He's going to do everything he could possibly do to separate you from your children and from your spouse. And he knows if he can do that, then he's got a foothold on your family. But I come here, I tell you, as for me and my house, what are we going to do? We will serve the Lord. We will what? Stand strong upon the word of God. Nothing will ever substitute this word in my life and in my home. This is the law. This is how we live. We don't live according to the ways of society and the gray areas that society has made for the church. We will be, as Thessalonians tells us, holy because that is the will of God. And what does holy mean? It means I will be different. And how am I going to be different if I'm not getting into the word of God? How am I going to be different if I'm not allowing the word of God to breathe into my life? How am I not going to be different if I don't let these words bring encouragement, bring joy? How, are they not, how am I not going to be different if I don't allow it to bring satisfaction and understanding? How am I not going to be different if I don't allow it to bring wisdom and knowledge? I don't want to be spiritually stupid. I want us to be a church that applies this word, that allows this, thank you, that allows this life-giving word. There's probably, a, I opened it there, there's probably something good for you right there to read. I have no idea. You ever done that? Just open the Bible, God, God what do you got to say now? How do we do this? We accept its authority. You got to accept it, man. 93% of the church believes that the word of God is not fully the truth. That is made up of opinions of man. I'm going to tell you right now, this church and this pastor is with the 7% that believes that the word of God is infallible. And that is the very breath of God. We must accept its authority. Watch this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. We also thank God continually because... When you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted 
not as the word of men, but actually as it is, which is what? The word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Then 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is beautiful. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It's one of the scriptures that our, our, our denomination is founded upon. Once you accept the authority, you will go from logos, where it's mundane, routine, tradition. You will go from words on a page to the very breath of God, a rima word, where wind enters into your sail. How do we do this? We make it a part of our everyday life. It cannot be a Sunday book. You gotta chew it. You gotta talk about it. You gotta bring it back up. You gotta chew it some more. You gotta do it over. I bet when you see a cow next time, you're gonna remember Pastor Kevin. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. I love this. Impress them on your children. You know, my Carter, the other day, we, we were reading devotion. Uh, it wasn't why we were reading it. We, we, we had prayer time with them, devotion time. And the other day, uh, we, we, did, we do different times, different things that we do with them. But uh, the other day, he looked at me, he picked up a devotion book that we've read out of a couple times. He goes, you haven't read out of this one in a while. When you go read out of this one again, you know? What does it say? It says, impress them what? On your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, or we'll put parentheses there, the beach. When you lie down and what? When you get up, right? It goes on to say, Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Go on. Write them on the what? Door frames of your houses and on your gates. What happens when we do this? When, when, when we're meditating on it, it's an aha moment. Your life will never be the same. The Bible we understand is what? It's alive. And lastly, I'm going to close right here, guys. We need to do this. It's extremely important. Really fast, too. We need to put it into practice. Love it. Do it. We love because it says to love. We give because it says to give. We serve because it says to serve. We worship because it says to worship. Jesus said it this way in John 13 and 17. It says, once you know these things... You will be blessed. Did it end right there? Did it stop? I love it because every time it's, it seems to me that when there's a revelation given, you have the aha moment, but then you have the, this is your responsibility part. This is what? You have to do that. I could stand up here, I can give you all the messages in the world, but if you don't apply it to your life, and practice it outside of these walls, off this property, you're not doing it. We need to apply this stuff. I want you to stand with me this morning. My last scripture for you comes from James chapter 1, verse 22. 
you need to highlight this message. This message, you know what? This is a, I need a memorized message right here. This verse. Because the moment you begin to, oh, I'm tired. I don't feel like getting into it. I don't, watch this. James 1.20. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Apply it. Let's do it. Let's make this thing real. You want to see things happen in your family, your community, your church. I know I do. We need to apply it. We need to do it. We need to put it into practice. It's not just enough to merely sit here and hear a message week after week, a couple times a week, sometimes once a week, sometimes once a month for some, you know. No. We need to put it into practice continually. So here's what I want to do. Just close your eyes with me for a minute. Before you can apply the word of God to your life, before it can really be sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword, before it can breathe life into you, you first have to have done something. And that is this, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the first step. That's the gospel. That's what it's all about. That's why I'm standing here. I'm glad I get to help equip you to grow spiritually. That's my job. But my job also, just like your job, is to win the loss. Those who do not know Jesus, to come into the fold, to come into the family, to be a part of it. Because we're sons and daughters adopted into the family of God. My prayer today that is there's anybody here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior or simply just looking to rededicate. My prayer today is that this happens first. It's the most important thing. So I'm going to ask this question this morning. If you would like Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, to be your Savior, to be your Master, your King, you're looking to rededicate maybe, into that family, into that relationship. If that's you today, I just want you to slip up your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. That is awesome. You can put them down. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to say this prayer together. It's simple, it's really short, but it's powerful and it's meaningful. Lord Jesus, say it enthusiastically. Lord Jesus, today, I choose to serve you. From this day forward, my life is yours. Save me, Lord. Bring salvation to my life and to my home. From this day forward, I will serve you and only you. Be my master, my king, and my Lord. I love you. Jesus' name. Amen. Here, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there? Amen. Absolutely. Now, here, here's where it gets like application. And that is, Pastor, I need to read the word more. But watch this. Maybe you read the word every day, but you feel nothing of it. Look, Pastor, I need to apply this message into my life. I need to get enthusiastic again about the Bible. I need, to, I need to practice what I'm reading. 
I needed to have life inside of me. I wanted to speak into me. I wanted to bring change into my life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Every person looking around, right? Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, you see every uplifted hand, but more importantly, you see every heart that is crying out to you today saying, Lord, I want more of what pastor is talking about. I want more of your word. I want your word to be life in me. I want it to be a rhema word, not a logos word. I want it to be a word that will change me forever and that when people around me, they will be changed. I want to be that person like Paul had, a friend that can make an impact in people's lives. God, just allow your word, Lord, to be life in us again. Help us change our outlook, our mindset when it comes to it. Father, Lord, from this day forward, may we go enthusiastically into your word. Knowing, God, that what you had to say in those pages, it's not just ink and paper, but it's life and it's setting people free every single day. So, God, encourage us, help us to apply this into our lives and allow your word to be the breath, the wind, in our sails. And Father, as we leave this place, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. May every tithing, gifting, and giving and offering given to you today may grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. We love you guys. See you.